Welcome back, everybody, to the Identical Draw podcast. Again, this week, we have a special guest that will be joining us. And But first, I want to thank our partners at Vortex Optics for sponsoring this podcast. Um, man, today in Lincoln, it is like almost 70 degrees. It's making me uh, want to throw in the shorts and t-shirt. And if you're looking to get some new stuff, head over to Vortex Optics and check out their Vortex Wear apparel. Um, you can use the code ID20 for 20% off. Get yourself some spring and summer attire. Go for it. Sweet. All right, this week is special. We have guest Matt Hansen on, and he uh, I'll let him describe himself and, and fill everybody in. But, um, man, we've been following him on Instagram for a few years now. And uh, he does a bunch of wildlife photography, and it's really incredible stuff. Um, Thomas and I, of course, we dabble with the cameras, but we are not anywhere near Matt's level. So, uh, Matt, introduce yourself to the people and uh, kind of tell us a little bit about, about uh, what you're about. Hey, thanks, guys. What's up, everyone? Um, yep, like they said, this is Matt Hansen, and I just take photos of stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, mostly white-tailed deer. Um that's a real passion of mine, and I find that things you like tend you tend to be better at. So I went in that direction. Gotcha. So, tell us a little bit about your background, um, like just like yeah, getting sure. into the outdoors, and then the photo side of things. Like, did the camera come first? Did the outdoors come first, or how'd that work out for you? So I definitely grew up hunting, so the outdoors came first. Yeah. Um, I started bow hunting with my dad and grandpa up at their property. And then kind of my life went a different path and I went 11th and 12th grade in Europe. Oh wow. So that's really where the photography started. And it wasn't like I knew what I was doing, but you have all these castles, you have all this cool stuff. And so I started getting interested into that. Um, and then went to school in Boston. My degree is actually in film scoring. So the music side of stuff, but it always had the, always had the uh, visual with it. And in college I would do cityscapes and all that stuff. And I kind of learned how to do the old school film side of things and dark rooms and color rooms. And then after college, I really got into birds um, alligators actually lived down in Texas for a year. That was gotcha. kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. And finally circled all the way back to my upbringing with, um, deer. Gotcha. So is that, um, the, the white tailed deer thing, is that, do you feel like, like deep in your soul it's because like you had that connection of hunting them or is it like, man, they're just fun to, fun to photograph? Absolutely. I would say I would not have the passion and the drive if I didn't grow up with them. Um, you get so many emotions when you're younger and so many experiences that kind of shape how you view the outdoors, how you view, view wildlife when you're young. And then it kind of sticks with you, assuming it's not a horrible experience. It kind of sticks with you your whole life. And so that really 
brought me back in once I got older. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, man. If, if I went, if I went down your route, I feel like I'd have a hard time getting away from whitetails as well. It's just the, I don't know, the, <laughs> the diversity of, uh, of landscape and also just the connections on the hunting level. Yeah. It doesn't even matter, uh, when you're hunting them, it doesn't matter if you're seeing your target buck or not. White tails are just so much fun to, so much fun to watch. And, uh, we always, Nate and I are always talking like a good white tail buck photo is like about equivalent as like making an awesome shot on a buck because mm-hmm. it's like in our minds, it's, it's so rare to see like an awesome white tail um, big mature buck in the woods. So getting a photograph of it is like almost just as fulfilling as getting an awesome shot on them. But yeah, when we go on, when we go on hunts or like our Kansas stuff, um, it's interesting. We, we, is there, yeah, one sec. Um, we, we like basically throughout when the season's going, we, we have this thought of like, we need to, uh, try to kill a buck or we need to, mm-hmm try to kill them with the camera is what we call it. And so every season we're like, we try to get at least a couple awesome bucks on photo or video. And then also obviously try to try to shoot one um, as well. But yeah, it's, 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 it's an accomplishment either way for sure. Um, So I guess the next, it's a little different with you because you're, it's a little different with you guys. Um, If you get film of a buck that you end up shooting, that's like, that's the best equivalent I feel for you guys. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, <laughs> for sure. So I, and that's a tough thing. I mean, as you know, you're hunting these bucks, so they are very wary. Mm-hmm. A lot of magazine covers, this kind of stuff, they're not hunted year round. Right. So you don't, it's not as rare to see them but it's still rare to get a great shot of them. Right. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And that was good. That kind of transitions into one of our questions we have for you, Matt. And, um, I'm not sure if like, this is like common knowledge for a lot of people or not, but like where, like, do you have a secret spot that you're like going to? Is it some sort of ranch or like, like, can you fill us in a little bit on like how, or like where you're taking these awesome photos? People definitely do ranches. Um, I made, I kind of told myself I'm not going to do any high fence stuff. Yeah. So I don't do ranches. I did go on a hunt in Texas last year, but I didn't, well, I did photograph, but I didn't, I don't submit anything I photographed and it's more just hanging out with people hunting kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing all free range stuff. So it's a lot of, I do have some honey holes, but other than that, there are, state parks, national parks, wildlife refuges, big ranges and things of that nature. So actually last year was bad because I did have a lot of bucks get shot. You Mm -hmm. tend to see the same bucks year after year. Mm -hmm. And so they do get shot because all the neighboring properties hunt them. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. But where I'm photographing, it's not a hunting zone, at least for the majority of the year. They Dang. still have to, yeah, uh, like reduce population and all that stuff. Otherwise, it gets out of control. But yeah, man, that's impressive. If if anybody's listening to this and hasn't checked out the Matt Hansen photography page, you need to go check that out because all of those just being like 
just the free range and stuff. That's, I mean, that's, I mean, you're basically hunting these things with the camera. Like, are you doing just like basically like an intense whitetail hunter? I mean, are you like just doing like a uh, ton of time outside it, or? It, yes. It's a lot of time. I go on week long trips. Mm-hmm. So it's just like when people go on a outfitted hunt, they do a week long trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, cause, because I mean, a lot of the photographers that you see, we shoot some of the same places and same bucks, but then we all have kind of our honey holes. Mm-hmm. So I will make a disclaimer. It's kind of 50, 50 on some of these properties. Some of the deer are pretty friendly mm-hmm. and we'll just kind of shake, uh, shake their head at you and kind of glance your direction yep. and do a little tail flip mm-hmm. and others if you move or if they smell you the wrong way, they'll be gone. So it's kind of, you kind of have to learn what you can get away with. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Gotcha. Uh, And I've noticed that's kind of the same thing with how you manage your land with hunting. You can get within 50 yards if you're on an ATV or something with some of these bucks that are used to that pattern. But then if you're walking and they see you 200 yards away, they're out of there. So it all just depends on how they're habituated and just their day-to-day lifestyle. Yeah. Just the other day when we were shed hunting, actually, we were taking the UTV around and then we forgot something, but it took forever to get the UTV in there because we were going through our thick timber and stuff to kind of make, we're kind of like in the process of making roads throughout our 80. So like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just mm-hmm. walk slash jog it back and grab something quick. Cause we just needed like some, we just needed a lighter to start our mm-hmm. prescribed fire. And sure enough, we didn't bust the deer out when we were taking the UTV because they were just used to it. But when I was walking mm-hmm. back through one of our food plots, the deer just started busting right off the edge. I was like, what the heck? They're just getting used to things. So, I mean, <laughs> it's the same way with hunting and, and managing land. I mean, heck, we'll, when we're down there on the 80, we'll be running saws, chainsaws all day, and the deer are just used to it. They'll, they'll I mean, they'll be bedded close because man, 15 minutes after you leave an area, they'll be on camera right there. So it's like, man, they're just, they know what they know what they can get away with basically. (laughs) So that's, that's interesting. And they're, they're very habitual animals as well. So yeah. Right. So, um, do you, do you have a certain like state or region that you like, or do you like, I mean, are you, will you travel cross country to get white tails at different time of the year? Yeah. Uh, this year I did five states, so it all depends. I I live in Michigan, for anyone who didn't know. Mm-hmm. I'm southern Michigan. So I have my spots around here that I do early season, and then I really like late season. Everyone thinks Christmas comes and bucks drop their antlers. That's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. We still had a few holding just like a week or two ago. Yep. So I... Home home area, I really like January. And then I go elsewhere. I try to hit fall colors kind of east east part of the country because they tend to be more vibrant. Yep. And then the peak of the rut, I'm up north. And then depending on the year, I really like going out west. Like this year, I went out west 1st of December. I hit the tail end of the rut. Gotcha. Um, so it all depends on the year, but I try to switch it up and I've really been interested in getting new spots every year just so I get unique bucks. I mean, 
the editors can recognize the same deer three years in a row if they look similar. Mm-hmm. And especially if another good photographer's in that same area, you kind of want to try to differentiate yourself and shoot different subjects. Right. That makes sense. Cause once one bucks on a cover, even though it's not the same photography, even though it's not the same image at all, they're probably not going to want to use that image again right. or that buck again. Yeah. So who are like, who are the people like you're doing work? I mean, are you like field and stream deer and deer hunting? Those, those types of magazines you're shooting for and then other, yep. other, like other content people that are, yep. are taking so, your stuff. Yeah. So all the, the main guys you just mentioned, uh, Coley Whitetails, mm-hmm. obviously QDMA now NBA, mm-hmm. uh, good relationship with cool. North American Whitetail. Yeah. All the ones you said, deer and deer hunting, field and stream outdoor life. Gotcha. So, and then I just try to add to it. There's various ones. And then, uh, you guys know Spencer, I saw. He's been good to me with all the um, meat eater stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah, for sure. I think I've seen your yeah, stuff. So I, uh, yeah, I do a lot of their online stuff and then some other um, things with that. So, Gotcha. So is this... And, yeah, I just... Whoever reaches out, I branch out. and I'm, I'm open to anything. I have probably half a dozen online contracts with people kind of like meat eater and then any small ad um company they want to do use feed or marketing or anything i i will do anything so (laughs) i'm very non-discriminatory yeah nice yep that's cool so especially with the way things have been going with the outdoor industry I feel you kind of have to adjust and maybe I'm a little slower at this, but you have to adjust to stay afloat. Mm-hmm. For instance, field and stream three years ago had 10 issues. Two years ago, they had six issues. Now they're down to four issues and it's just online. There's no more print. So obviously just available spots are limited Yep. just because of the financial aspect. And then, 2020 happened and then everyone's mm-hmm. cutting where they can. So, yep. Yep. So how do you it's very up and down? Right. So how do you balance your, your, uh, photo and hunting? I mean, do you, do you still get some hunting time in the fall? Or are you like, Nope, I'm just carrying the camera around. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I really still enjoy hunting. Deer hunting has been an issue as obviously it's the same season and I'm out photographing, let's say there's 90 days of the season, bow hunting start October 1st or whatever it is for your state. Mm -hmm. So if there's 90 days, I kind of count sessions as morning and then afternoon. So 180 sessions. And then let's say you have all the holidays and stuff. I'd say I'm probably out shooting 120, 130 of those sessions. So it's very limited, but I do like to go all my, well, not all my buddies, but group of buddies are big into hunting and fishing. So I like going with them and then my family is still very into it. So yeah, I still hunt. Uh, This last October, we went to Wyoming on a mule deer pronghorn double and that was pretty fun. That's a good time. Sweet. So how long have you been like, 
how long, like when was the first time you, like, I guess the question is when did you start making a living with the camera? Like, have you, I mean, how long has that been? Uh, that's more recent than people probably think. Yeah. So I'm 35. No, I'm 36 now. So I'm 36 and I got serious into photography in 2010 Mm. and I really, that was really cutting my teeth on birds and really just figuring out how to do all this. There's a big learning curve I feel. Um, so I was just, I had this crappy kit lens and I was trying to figure out how to duplicate these prime lens pro photo look with my crappy lens that actually allowed me to really learn the craft and really hone my skills because with my kit lens to get that look, my background had to be three times as far as someone's prime lens. I really had to concentrate on the foreground so they couldn't tell that it was a 5.6 instead of a Mm 2.8. And so I really cut my teeth on that for two years. I, I guess the first year I got serious about whitetail were, was 2012. Yep. And then I started getting published 2013 and then 2014, I got some nice deals and then really just the past five years, it's been going well. Mm -hmm. 2019 was kind of my breakout, I would say. Mm -hmm. And then last year was very good to me as well. That's awesome, man. That's sweet, man. I feel like there's a lot of people that, would love your gig, but they, uh, it, it, it's such an investment and it's, I mean, it's so time consuming. Like Thomas and I, this is gonna, we basically yesterday was five years of identical draw and we, I mean, it's been a straight up. Yeah. yeah, Thank you. It's been a straight up grind, but it's been like now, I mean this year more than anywhere, we're like reaping the benefits of like just staying in it. Sometimes we talk about like mm-hmm. how many small businesses or whatever, or LLC just like fail within the first few years. And it's literally, if you want to like be at the top, like you just literally need to survive for a couple of years. Yeah, most of the some, time, some industries and yeah, different. Yeah. We've just been yeah, here. That's okay. As long as you don't give up. Yeah. As long as you don't give up, if you just keep grinding and I'm going to still be grinding 10 years from now, but as long as you don't give up, you, you're still in the game. You still got a shot. Right. So, um, I'd love to hear about your, do you have something, Tom? Uh, yeah. Oh, I don't know if you're going to get into camera. So I was, okay. that's exactly where I was going. Yeah. Take it. Uh, don't give away all your secrets, Matt, but we'd love to hear, uh, what, like what you're shooting. Like what's your, what's your go-to, um, camera lens setup. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so I shoot Nikon and, various lenses. My walk around lens is the 200 to 500. It's just good variation. Um, and you can shoot a plethora of things, but then during whitetail season, my favorite lens recently is the 300, uh, 2.8 mm. really Chris. And I do a lot of wood shooting. So I really need that 2.8. Mm-hmm. Um, out east, I like the two to four hundred f four. You just get that zoom, but the image quality is awesome. And then out west, the six hundred f four is incredible. Yeah, that lens is so sweet. That's a good setup. And also, I love how it's so lightweight. 
I, I handhold pretty much everything, even the 600. I've kind of learned how to get in position to steady myself. Mm-hmm. I kind of sit on my butt, lean back, and then put my arms on my knees, mm-hmm. or I'll just lay prone so my elbows are touching the ground and holding mm-hmm. the camera that way. So, Yeah, that's... But that- for anyone listening out there uh, who just heard me rattle off $40,000 <laughs> worth a year, yeah. um, rent. Yep. Definitely rent. There are rent websites that you can get high quality stuff. You can try out new lenses. You don't need to buy all your lenses. Like rent them for a week, rent them for a month. Yeah. I think people will also be pretty surprised with how inexpensive it is to rent. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do just like even a week, you're not, you're not breaking, breaking no, the bank at all. So that's, that is crisp advice right there because we, I mean, we've trashed our Canon um, one fall and we had to rent for what? like two weeks. Yeah. Just the Canon mm-hmm. body and man, it really was, it was actually decently affordable. So yeah, that's, that's a really good tip. Um, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure those lenses just, I mean, when somebody hears of that, I remember like when we were getting into it, we were looking at like the, our buddies at HB and like, man, you guys have so much stuff, but just like kind of <laughs> years and years of accumulation and you just start to, um, stock up on all this stuff. Have you been Nikon like your whole, photography career I have mm-hmm. and maybe that's a fault of mine I really like Canon's color yeah but I just I'm so used to Nikon and they've been good to me so I have no reason to change no I, I yeah I I think <laughs> I mean if anybody can tell an actual difference between the top tiers I'm like yeah you're making that up <laughs> you're seeing something <laughs> I just uh, I, I don't know I mean there's certain things in you video are Canon, right? Yeah, we we have. I mean, 5D Mark IV, and we have the R, the new R5, and stuff like that, and the Canon glass and stuff. Right. But it's yeah, yep. It's uh, I don't know if if you can really tell the difference. Yeah, I don't know if you it, can. It's like <laughs> a, a, it's like the Ford Ram Chevy debate. Like yeah, each each truck's gonna get it done. Each camera's gonna get the get the shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially you're yeah, you're seeing the final output from everyone. It's not like you're looking at the raw files from mm-hmm. everything you right. see online. So there's no way to tell at that point. Right. So, um, say you're out, you get a banger shot of a white tail. Are you doing all of the post-production and everything like that? Just like processing? Yeah. Like, do you do like, I mean, are you lighting your, like, yeah. are you using Lightroom or, or Photoshop or anything? Or how, yeah, how does that I, I do the, I save, I have all my folders in Lightroom. Mm-hmm. So I have my five star minus white tail, blah, 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 yep. blah, blah, raw files, white tail collection. That's where I put all my good stuff. Yep. Um, so I do that to store things and that's where I crop and then go for output. But I just do the uh, Photoshop raw camera raw yep. for my editing. Cool. So I don't, I made a vow to myself when I started I'm not going to add or remove anything from frames. I don't mm-hmm. do brushes. I don't do stamps. What you see is what you get. I do color correct. I do add contrast. I will dodge uh, catch lights in the deer's eyes. And that's about it. Yep. But yep. but no fake blur or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the camera's job. That's a pretty natural image then, if you ask yeah. me, <laughs> from yeah. what you can see on other people's pages. I, I try to. Yeah. And I, uh, 
if you check my Instagram stories every once in a while, I'll post a raw to final. Okay, that's I, tend to I was gonna say I thought yeah, I thought that was you that I saw that I was like, man, that is really close. There's not yeah, much difference what, there. What really bothers me with some photographers and everybody can have their own opinion, but with certain like photo contests, I'm like, okay, that that sky is obviously not the sky that took place during this photo. So like how much editing are you allowing during this photo contest? And sometimes I just see the winner is like completely like it's completely Photoshop photo, which sure. I mean, it's, it's great editing, but is it a great photo? So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. That's that's the, that conversation has been going on for, forever yeah definitely since digital came out yeah yeah so how <laughs> um so you have your you have your purist and then you have more <laughs> the artistic side and i kind of i don't see it as a lower thing but mm-hmm. people need to say it up front if someone says it up front then i'm like wow that's an amazing piece of art mm-hmm. so there's there's both sides to that so how do you um like analyze, say, just let's talk like a fall season. Like, do you have a goal for how many like absolutely like it, like awesome images you try to get out of a fall? Like, what's a like a yeah. good fall and like piggybacking off that? Like, I was gonna sure. say like what's a like if you set up for a week, like how many good photos are you like is makes it a successful trip? Ooh, that's a great question. Obviously, going into it, you want every day to just just be flying through files. Mm-hmm. That's obviously not always the case. A bad week, my worst week, probably 2019, December, everything was closed at this location. So it was a lot of places you can drive somewhere, park, hike in, drive somewhere else, park, hike in. Everything was closed. So it was just hiking in. 12 miles a day, I got three, what I would consider solid photos out of the week. Oh, wow. so yeah, that's not really ideal. But now fast forward to this December out West, I'm looking on my computer right now. I'll just do a quick select. So I have 50 in my top tier right now for that week. Gotcha. And probably... 25 of those will be um, larger placement. So I reserve this. This kind of goes with it. What I think is great and good. So I reserve different tiers of photos and send them different places. So I will send images, but then make an asterisk cover only kind of thing. Cause I don't want my best photos being used for like a small spot somewhere. Mm. Same with like a double page spread. I'll reserve it for double page. Please don't make the small kind of thing. And then you kind of go tier to tier. And that's how I kind of group my images. You kind of like five star, four star, three star. And then I generally don't do anything with anything less than that. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Mm. That's good stuff. Yeah. That's, that's so uh, back. Yeah. You can, you can keep talking to that if you want, but that's just like a good idea for, um, organizing your top, your best photos. We're always, um, so unorganized and we're always looking through, uh, our entire hard drive, uh, what we need to, what we need to post or send out. But 
Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, what are you? You guys have really crisp imagery as well. You're more uh, wide angle lifestyle type stuff, but you're obviously doing some prime lenses like 24 to 70, 2.8, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have that. We have um, 16 to 35. Um, that's 2.8. We have 70 to 200, 2.8. Uh, what's the, What's on the R5? Is that that's 70 to 200, right? Yep. So yeah. And then our, our big lens is where I'd like to upgrade. We've got a Sigma 150 to 600, 600, which has been our, our big kicker. Um, and man, it's like hunting with this stuff is definitely like, uh, more of a, um, just more of a hassle just cause I mean, switching lenses more than just like a handy cam or what you'll see on a lot of YouTube pages. But man, you just cannot touch the quality and then be able to switch it over to hit some photos quick has just been a game changer for us. I mean, it's, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's definitely more work shooting that stuff, but it's been, it's been freaking awesome doing that. So yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, let's see what I want to get into next. Um, I guess, uh, you kind of already mentioned some tips and tricks of shooting, but I was wondering like all freehand, oh, yeah. I mean, I tripod, um, any like beginner stuff or, or, I mean, you can get into as advanced as you want, but whatever you want to get for tips and tricks. Yeah. I mean, for new people. Yeah. I used to teach a class, intro to wildlife. And then also a class, um, advanced digital and creative techniques. So I'll, I'll talk for days, but yeah. for just intro tips and stuff, my big thing for a new wildlife photographer is study images. That is the biggest thing that helped me study images. I used to look at hundreds of images. I would screenshot the ones I liked. I would put them in a folder then I'd figure out why are these good? What made them good? And then eventually you try to replicate that in the field. And eventually you're, you're going to be training your eye to see an image, not just a deer. A lot of people get so excited. They see antlers. They just shoot the antlers and there's no emphasis on composition, framing, anything like that. Mm -hmm. So that's one of my biggest tips. And that's the thing for, um, new photographers, Instagram's good and bad for new photographers. I feel it might be a hindrance on some level. Yes. There's so much talent out there, but there's also a lot of stuff that gets popular. That's not technically sound, Mm -hmm. especially in the big game hunting section of Instagram because hunters just want to see big bucks. They don't, they aren't praising an image for, image quality composition or, or any of that stuff. So for new photographers, it might be tough to navigate. They're like, well, this one got really popular on Instagram. This is what I should be trying to replicate in the field. Mm-hmm. When the fact is that's just big antlers and that might not be technically sound. So for new photographers really make sure you hone in your composition, look at the scene as a whole. When you approach a scene, look at your background, obviously look at your subjects, but really look at your background, find the greatest separation between subject and background. If possible, if not, 
do something compositionally interesting. If you have trees, frame the deer in between the trees. Nice framing, nice vertical framing. Same with foreground. You want to make sure your foreground's uncluttered, or if it is cluttered, make sure it's a repetitive pattern, not just one random brush sticking into your subject. You, do, you don't want stuff to intersect your su- subject mm-hmm. um, and cut through them because that'll take away from your subject. For me, if I get a blade of grass or something, part of the buck's face or eye, that's a throwaway for me. Mm-hmm but eventually you kind of learn how to micro adjust and you learn that just moving your camera three to four inches left to right can completely change your view of field of view. Sorry. Right. And then you look to kind of improve that stuff. I used to tell my students, blur their eyes. Now what stands out to you? If it's not your subject or an important part of the composition, that's what you need to eliminate next time. And then other tips, I can keep going. Uh, Point of view, get low. Picture yourself standing and looking at an animal. If you're looking down at the animal, the background's going to be, depending on the size of the animal, five feet behind, 10 feet behind. I mean, if it's a small bird, that background's six inches behind. Mm -hmm. Now go down to your knees. That background is 20 feet behind, 30 feet behind. Now lay prone on your belly that background's wherever your horizon is yep. 400 yards behind. And that will completely transform the look of your images. Mm-hmm. Same with the foreground. This is the same kind of thing. You want a nice clean foreground and then subject isolated and then background far away. Now this mm-hmm. isn't always the case is just my style. I happen to really enjoy the clean minimalistic style. So not everyone has to have to like that, but that's just my yeah. input. No, that's really um, good. Yeah. Oh, yep. I was just going to say, I was going to ask a quick question in here because I watch, um, uh, Peter McKinnon on YouTube. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but, um, basically he does, I mean, YouTube vlogs, he does a lot of photography and stuff. Um, but may, I mean, he's doing a lot of Instagram stuff, um, and just social media stuff. And I wanted to ask, cause he was like, man, I used to shoot vertical stuff, but now I basically shoot all horizontal stuff and then I just crop it to the vertical specs. Are you shooting a mixture of both Mm. or how are you feeling about that? Yes. Uh, Because I shoot primarily not for Instagram. Yep, right. So Instagram's great, but I haven't... You don't make that much money on Instagram, or at least I don't. You're just posting images, so new people might see them. Like we got in touch via Instagram, but yes, I naturally, I shoot vertically and I still probably do two thirds vertical, one third horizontal. That's just naturally my eye deer. I like deer coming at you. So it just fits in the frame better. Obviously a nice broadside shot is going to be horizontal or if you have a nice landscape, I'll go horizontal. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I definitely still shoot both. And then for photo needs for various people, calendars want horizontal, obviously interior want horizontal covers. 85% are going to be vertical. Now, 
uh, camera quality is good enough that they can crop a horizontal. But then anything online, the vast majority of that's going to all be vertical. So every scene I approach, I get my natural artistic vision out of the way. I'll shoot what I think is going to be the best image artistically for if it could possibly be in my portfolio or just to be a great shot. And then I will look at how can I make the scene so it can be used multiple ways. Mm -hmm. So I'll flip it horizontal, I'll back off, I'll zoom out, I'll do different compositional aspects. I'll put the subject way on the left, way on the right kind of thing. So there's a lot of variable. And that took me a while to figure out. At first, I used to just shoot my artistic vision and then I'd get out of there. But now I've learned to slow down and really figure out, okay, this is a great opportunity. I can take advantage of this opportunity in more than one way and then go from there. So, yeah, I was going to ask, say you've got like uh, an awesome landscape, awesome deer specimen, um, and the deer's chill. You've got time to shoot. Like, are you going to be snapping a ton of photos on that puppy or like how, like, or do you like have a max be like, I just know that after this, I'm like, I'm just going to be throwing away a lot of photos or do you just like shoot the heck out of anything when you have like really good situations? We call that rapid fire. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm actually not, I don't shoot that many frames mm -hmm. compared to some other people. Uh, some people just hold the shutter down and you just hear the whole time. Mm -hmm. I really look for the different body angles and different head angles. And then when that happens, I will shoot or make sure like if there's a, if he's definitely walking a direction, I will wait until he clears to the right spot and then shoot. Mm -hmm. Like if he's in front of a bush, I'll wait till he clears that bush or, if he's walking, actually, you want the bush in front of him. That'll be compositionally more sound. Right. But you just kind of wait, and then you take advantage when the moment strikes. Yep, gotcha. So I was going to ask. I want to hear like, uh, like a, like a perfect um, day for you. Like say mid November. Like for us hunting, it'd be an early wake up. Mm -hmm. uh, we'd probably probably get in the unscented shower. <laughs> we'd mm -hmm. probably do that, whether it helps or not. I'm not sure, but we're going to do that. Get in our first light camo, <laughs> creep out onto the 80. Hopefully access is perfect. Um, you got some cover noise, get up into the tree and you grunt a buck in at 9am double lung him. He dies 30 yards away. Booyah. That's, that's perfect day. We just fill the camera cards, fill the freezer. Um, awesome day for social. Mm -hmm. Awesome day for all of our sponsors who pay for our stuff. What, is like the ideal day for you. You could any time of the year, but like you, you pick just like run through like an ideal day and how, how it would play out for you. All right. If we're mid November, I'll do a non weather scenario. Yes. Cause I love shooting in weather, but I'll do a non weather scenario. So very cold, extremely cold. Everything's crisp, no wind. You're walking out there in the dark and the woods slowly come alive and it's clear skies for now. So ideal is you're in the woods or on the edge of field woods and 
you start to hear feet patter patter. Then you start to hear feet run. And then, you know, a buck's mixing up a bunch of does in there Mm -hmm. and it's really cold. You get the sun to peek out. You want to access that back, accent that backlighting so you can get the vapor clouds going. Mm -hmm. You can get, you can tell how worn out the buck is. He's got his mouth open. He's got his tongue out and he just, even though it's negative three, he's just wearing himself out. And that's the first hour. And then the sun begins to creep higher and now you see the clouds roll in and you get the streak of clouds at first. So nice diffused light. And then midday you get the nice full cloud cover. So you don't have any harsh shadows in the woods Mm -hmm. and you're just, it's peak of the right. You got some bucks bedded with those. You have other bucks trying to steal the dough. You have, lip curls every direction and then you get in the late afternoon evening and it starts to clear up again then you get the nice sunset light Mm -hmm. that's my ideal day are you moving throughout that day or are you like sitting like are you hanging out in a pretty central position really depends Mm -hmm. depends if you're in a good spot or not yep i mean like i mentioned my worst week i was hiking 10, 12 miles and not seeing a thing. So obviously if you're not seeing anything, you're going to keep moving. So it's definitely more like Western style hunting yep. of spot and stock rather than Eastern sitting in a uh, tree stand all day type of thing. But it really depends on the situation. I've sat at the base of a tree for seven hours before waiting for a buck to stand up. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't do that now probably, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Matt, are you, this might be a dumb question, but like, are you working the wind? Are you wearing camo? Like, I know you mentioned some of the properties are, you can, uh, um, you won't spook them as easily, mm-hmm. but are you like, what's your, like, what's yeah, your thought uh, there? I, yeah, I, I full camo, especially if I'm in the woods, definitely full camo out West. I might have just like brush pants on or something, mm-hmm. but I, yeah. Um, first light, like you guys mentioned, they, uh, they make some great stuff and it's very comfortable and warm. Mm-hmm. So camo, uh, wind kind of depends on the situation really. Yes is the short answer. Um, yeah, we'll just say the yes, yeah. but it's not as big of a deal. Right. <laughs> Actually. Yes, if you they're not seeing you right away. Like if you're playing, uh, this buck's going to come over this ridge and I know he's going to come over this ridge, but he doesn't know I'm here. You have to play the wind. So an interesting thing about a lot of these deer, if they just smell something they don't recognize, they're going to spook. Yep. Mm-hmm. If they can see and recognize that you're not a threat. They're not going to spook even if they smell you. So it's kind of like you have to judge the situation. What, what are you going for? Do you want the surprise alert look? And that is a thing that you have to do with some of these subjects. Um, that some of the habituated ones, you need to surprise them to get that alert 
um, about uh, tuck and run type of mm-hmm. look out of them right. that that people really want to see. Mm-hmm. So it's all give and take. It all is up to the scenario. Gotcha. That's good to know. That I mean, it's basically hunting, <laughs> except you have um, a freaking <laughs> awesome camera that you're snapping. I mean, it's like it's so similar. Just getting out there the way you approach or you're approaching the day and stuff like that. It's, that's yeah, that's sweet. So um, basically, wrap it up here. I, I want to first know. I, I I saw on your story a while back you had some prints on your wall. How do you think? Like, what is the best printing like material to like get a cool shot? That's that say somebody took um, that they want to throw up in their office. Like, what what would you recommend um, for like the best printing and mm. like how to throw something up in an office space or something like that? Yeah, so I'm. I know a lot of people like canvas. I'm going to come out and say I do not like canvas. Mm-hmm. So people are obviously welcome to still do canvas. I I just it's not that crisp to me. Yeah. I really like a sharp, crisp image. Even if you blow it up, twenty four by thirty six. I still need that eye to be tack sharp. So. I do a lot of just paper prints, but they stamp it on the styrene. It's like this plasticky stuff mm. and that you can frame it and that keeps it from warping ever. So 10 years down the line, it's still going to be flat. You don't have to reframe it due to warping. I also really like acrylic. I've just been getting into that. So you see that a lot in newer restaurants, hotels, right? You just see these big, yeah, acrylic prints, and then they have uh, metal posts on the four ends. I'm, I really like that modern look. And then the same with metal prints. Uh, metal prints I've kind of drifted away from. The color seems to not be as accurate, and it's very reflective. Mm-hmm. So obviously for um, like commercial stuff, high strobe stuff, really high key stuff, that would be awesome. But for wildlife, white-tailed deer, I'm not really into that as much anymore. I either like traditional framing or the acrylic look. Yeah, that's that's good to know. We need to throw some stuff down in our Kansas shed. We have one picture of um, the buck that actually Spencer Newarth killed club in the in the summer um, in our bean field when his antlers are just sticking above the beans. Um, but we need to get a few more down there because we have yeah. we have some faves. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the last awesome. the last question yeah. I'm going to ask you is. The, I mean, is there one photo that just sticks out in your mind being like, that's my best, that's my best photo ever. For me, uh, well, my most, yeah, probably the big vape, famous vapor cloud one. Oh yeah. That's the most excited I've ever been for an image. <laughs> I can see. That I one still right know now. that feeling like three years later, I can still feel how badly I was shaking. It was, it was as bad as any buck fever I've had after shooting an animal. Yeah. That's <laughs> nuts. So that's the, that's the easy answer, I guess. Yeah. I kind of, yeah, I kind of um, lose it sometimes just due to, I see it all over the internet and I'm just like, uh, so I like some of the, my newer stuff, but I'll always probably come back to that as one of my top. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, um, where can people find you if they want to order prints from you or reach out to work with you? Where, where can people uh, get a hold of you? 
Yeah, uh, my portfolio is whitetaildeerphotography.com. That's where you can see a handful of my favorite best shots and my contact info is there. Also, Matt at Gmail. And then all the links are at whitetaildeerphotography.com. So you can find all my stuff there. And then Instagram is just Matt Hanson Photography. Awesome, man. It's been a uh, really fun conversation. It's a whole new world from what, like I've, I've never talked to somebody that is just like shooting like that good of stuff and also just the wildlife and the deer that yeah. I love. I would say I'm like, we're always recommending, um, to people that want to, um, get somewhere in the outdoor industry. We're always recommending like follow people that are in the outdoor industry because you'll get different ideas from them. But in this case, follow mm-hmm. Matt in the hunting industry because m- most guys, uh, majority of people aren't doing what you're doing and you have just some crisp things. I mean, I mean, like you said earlier in the podcast, we've definitely studied your photos before and just seen like how, how you shot something or, or used the background or foreground mm-hmm. in a certain way. But mm-hmm. yeah, we appreciate your time, Matt. Um, yeah, this podcast will be dropping shortly. Um, so we hope everybody enjoys it. Matt, thanks you for coming on. Be sure to reach out if you have any, uh, any questions for Matt or if, if you have if you have questions for us, you can uh, email us at info at identicaldraw.com. Um, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Matt. I, I really appreciate it, guys. It's fun.